I want to be with somebody that is going to challenge me both mentally, spiritually, emotionally. You know, that for me is incredibly important. And I think for a lot of my friends, it's the same for them. Hello everyone, my name is Sarah and I am a co-active life coach as well as the host for MindPie. This is a place where I will be inviting interesting human beings to explore an idea. There is no right, no wrong, just browsing. So let's see what we can stir up. Our guest today is Wayne Obi, who started his career in South Africa training to be a pilot. Somewhere along the way, he got into the coffee industry and has, for the last 12 years, traveled the world teaching people how to make coffee and set up cafes and roasteries. He's now based in Dubai, where he met his fiancée, my future sister-in-law. Wayne is also a huge gamer and spends his free time streaming Call of Duty on his Twitch channel. So let's invite him in. Hi, Wayne. Hey, Sarah. How you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, doing well. It's a great day in, in Dubai, but uh, looking forward to this. Great. Thank you for joining today. It's my absolute pleasure. I'm really excited to get into this, uh, especially the subject matter. Watched a couple of your pods already and they look amazing. Well done. Congratulations. Thank you so much, Wayne. So guys, today we will be starting a new series called What Does It Mean to Be a Man in 2020? And today with Wayne, we'll be covering romance. And within romance, we will be talking about those people who are single and looking to date, as well as people who are in committed relationships. We will be covering marriage, but in the next topic. So let's get on with the two. So Wayne, how do men look at romance these days? <laughs> uh, it really does depend on who you ask. I know for myself, the kind of evolution that I've gone through as a man with my work and everything that I've done, it's definitely changed. And especially as you get older, you know, for the most part, romance can be seen as a transactional thing. Whether guys want to admit it or not, guys get lonely. I talk to friends or family members who are in not great relationships, but they're like, you know, it's kind of nice being able to wake up next to someone every morning. And you'll generally hear those answers from people that are over their 30s. Anyone under their 30s like, nah, man, uh, splash and dash. Cheers. Thanks for coming. So it, it really just kind of depends on where you are in your life. Right. So what I'm hearing is that those people who are above 30 tends to seek for companionship. Yeah. I mean, listen, obviously everything I'm going to say today is very much my own opinion and not like, sure. I don't want to say I'm Every an expert month. on 100%. My first really serious relationship was in high school. I definitely saw myself with this particular person. At the time, wasn't old enough to realize how toxic the relationship was, but it definitely was something that I was keen on seeing where it went. As soon as that ended, I went into the classic student mode, clubs, bars, girls, doing whatever it is, and, and kind of moving on with no real kind of regard for anybody's feelings, if you will. I got to say, though, I did always preface any hookup with Tonight is about tonight. If you're looking to have some fun, then let's by all means have some fun. And if you're not down for that, I'll hold nothing against you. I'll buy you a drink right now and wish you on your way for the evening. Nine times out of 10, girls were pretty keen. But again, you know, I would say I'm definitely a rarity when it came to that. As I got older, over my 30s, social norms kind of step in and it's like, you know, I want to have kids. I want to settle down. I want to do stuff. My job at the time wasn't really assisting in that kind of mode of my life 
but I was still definitely searching for it. So much so that I was in a two and a half year long distance relationship, you know, between the UK and South Africa. So it was definitely something I started to source and look for after turning 30. Not because I felt I had to, it just felt right. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting you mentioned that because I wanted to ask you about how men look at commitment. From what I've seen, majority of the guys that surround me seem to hesitate committing. So has that become more or less in today's world? I would say situational. I do think that guys today in general are a lot more open to it and a lot more keen to kind of talk and explore it. I think what's also pretty exciting is seeing how many women also thinking the same way guys do traditionally, if you will. It's like, hey, man, like really you're not keen for this. Like I want to kind of, you know, just explore my own things. I do think that there is a general push to being a little bit more open about commitment or commitment issues. Again, I definitely see that transition from 26, 27 years old for a lot of my friends and myself. But yeah, it's something that is a bit of a double-edged sword. And I think it's something that we're going to explore a little bit later on. But like, I don't know if you've heard the term simp. No, what is that? So a simp, it's a gaming term. It's kind of crossover into real life. A simp is a guy that is not protective, but engaged in a woman in particular. There's a very famous streamer called Pokimane. She's actually just recently taken a massive leave. She's going on a month-long sabbatical, if you will, getting away from social media and all that sort of stuff. And a lot of people think that that's tied into the fact that she has her first official boyfriend. And guys who support Pokimane are attacked by other guys saying, oh, you're a simp. You're a, you know, oh, you're simping over Pokimane. Like, you're going to say and do whatever you want. you her little bitch, if you will, which feeds that kind of toxic masculinity. And, and the funny thing is, and the little bit destroying thing for me, at least in terms of what I want to achieve for men and people that I engage with is seeing there's many younger kids that feel or think this way. And as soon as you start to see guys over 24, 25, they're like, Hey dude, like, you know, we got to respect women. Like, yeah. When my girlfriend brings me a sandwich whilst I'm gaming and I say, thank you. And I was like, Oh, simp. It's like, no, bro, that's just being polite. You know, that's just, there is that kind of toxicity that is starting to feed into society itself. But the double-edged sword for that is you finding more guys speaking out on that, saying, hey, it's okay that I respect my girlfriend, my wife, my mother, my other females in my life, or females that aren't in my life that I engage with. That's okay, and that's something that we need to really kind of support. So that commitment question starts to come in more and more where people are saying, yes, I'm, I'm prepared to commit to you, but are you prepared to commit? And I think it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a rough stone at the moment. Guys like, yeah, I'm committing to you. Like, yeah, but I'm still going to swap rights on Tinder. Like, is that okay? Like, you know, so there's a little bit of that still happening. And of course you see more of that in the younger generation in the twenties, yep. maybe early thirties. Unless you're in Dubai and you're in uh, Marina and it's guys from 35 uh -huh. to 45, but you know, that's Got another it. story for another day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So when do you think are men ready to be committed romantically? Are you talking about uh, when are men ready to be committed? Like, is that from a, hey, baby, I'm all about you inside the house, but don't ask me to do that on Instagram? Or are we talking like full blown? Uh-huh. So what I'm hearing is there are different shades of commitment. 100%. Romantically, yeah. 100%.
yeah, would you be able to tell me what are the different, let's say, um, stages or categories that you would think of commitments in romantic situations? So I think if we go back when you're 16, 17, you're starting to kind of explore yourself, you're starting to explore relationships and whatnot. I was incredibly fortunate to have a mother in particular. My father didn't really ever talk to me about this stuff. I think the most advice he ever gave me, and this kind of talks to this whole issue, was one of my first major, my second long-term girlfriend. We've been dating for like three years, bad breakup. She cheated on me, the whole thing. And you're like... I was in a funk for weeks and he's just like, Hey man, you know, love hurts and it sucks and you'll be okay. That was the only like relationship advice I ever got from my father. My mother, on the other hand, very much involved, very much engaged. And I felt very comfortable talking to her about that. So when you're like 16, 17, you, you kind of get with a girl and you're like, Oh baby, this and that. And you think it's all very kind of cutesy and you're kind of doing this stuff. But the second you're outside of that room, the second you're outside of that house, second you're outside of that, then SMS, and your boys were talking and you're playing rugby. It's like, oh, I know, bro. We just do this and that. And, you know, kind of normal guy talk, if you will. When you start to get in your 20s, you early 20s, you start to see it a little bit more. You know, oh, happy birthday, this and that. No real kind of gushiness. And this can happen at any age. Once the guy becomes very comfortable in who he is and who his wife, girlfriend, that his partner is, they then incredibly open about it online. Oh, you're the world to me. You mean so much to me and whatnot. That was at least when I was growing up. You know, I, I matriculated in high school 2002. So that was grade 12. I, at least with the groups of guys that I see, that's happening at a slightly younger age. But I also do think guys' professional lives are happening at slightly younger ages. You know, we've got guys who are, are like buying houses at 28, 29. 30 years old, they're family men of two, so on and so forth. So as soon as that kind of transition in their life happens, you do start to see that full-blown... The focus change. Yeah, the focus change. I think once you marry someone, that's kind of the... You've kind of said to everyone in the world, I'm fully committed to this person. But leading up to that, there's definitely like a, a progression that starts to happen. Right. So there are also men out there that are not ready to even start dating. Yeah. just you know, getting into that dating scene. So where are they? Where are they in terms of uh, currently or like in terms of their headspace? Headspace. So it can be a combination of a few things. From what I've seen, a lot of toxic masculinity feeds into that in a big way. You know, oh, I can't be seen like liking girls and I'm a player, I'm this, I'm that. And to be honest, we're seeing less of that. I personally see a lot less of that happening. Guys want to explore their bodies physically, and so do girls. Women more and more, which, you know, which is fantastic and a huge advocate for it. And I think the mindset for a lot of guys is starting to change where it's like, well, you've been with more than four guys. Like, oh, this is not on, blah, blah, blah. It's like, bro, you've been with like 20 girls. Like, you know, shut your mouth. You know, that's starting to happen a little bit more. I do think that your upbringing in a big way plays a huge part in that. Did your parents or those around you show how nice a committed relationship can be? There was a great article I read a while ago that was talking about young adults' comfortability with being naked directly being related to how parents reacted to them being naked or how parents interacted with their own bodies around those children and how that kind of fed through their adulthood. 
I do think that those that had a little more education around it, a little more understanding around it, even kids of parents who got divorced, you know, if there was a great transition there, we do find that a lot of those guys are a little more like, hey, you know, relationships aren't a bad thing. They're hard work, but they aren't a bad thing. And you do see those guys kind of progressing. The guys that I see that are very anti-relationship have either been screwed over or had a bad raising or just like, hey, man, I don't see a value in a relationship. Right. So it almost sounds like they're kind of avoiding feeling a certain way or uh, kind of like feeling familiar of the experience, which wasn't very pleasant. Correct. And how does that play when you actually want to have a relationship or want to start seeing someone but it comes with a pressure is there a pressure now to have it all together before you can get into a relationship a hundred percent you know i think more so than any time really you know there's social media has played such a huge part of it you know the rise of tinder instagram snapchat facebook everything it's what kind of persona are you putting out there in, in the social world i also know for myself and i'm pretty sure most guys would agree with this like the second you start looking for a relationship, you won't find it. Women pick up on that desperation. They smell it from a mile away. You know, the classic thing we always say, why is it when you're in a relationship and you go to a club, do girls hit on you? A, because you're comfortable. B, you're not creeping around. You're not like, hey, baby, how you doing? It's like, you're just you. You're having fun with your friends because there's no pressure. There's no expectation like, hey, I got I to impress somebody so I can take them home. It's like, I'm just living me and people pick up on their vibe. They pick up on their energy and they're like, I want you. I want that. And that, I think, is where that kind of feeds into. It's not so much that girls want guys with the, that are in relationships. It's just guys in relationships a lot more comfortable. And I think that answers your question about is there pressure? 100%. Something I always ask, and I'm glad to see it happening, is like there is a, a good and healthy push towards plus size female models, which is fantastic. Where the plus size male models, you don't see it. You just don't see it. There is an expectation from guys to look a certain way. The funny thing is, as a guy, once you realize women don't always give a shit about that, they don't care about that, you start to see guys like kind of relax a little bit. I'm not saying like let yourself completely go, but you start to realize that women aren't really, you know, even sexually, even mentally aren't focused on the physical. They focus on the substantive. And that kind of feeds into the whole being hit on in a club when you're in a relationship because the substance you're putting out is fun, energy, no, no kind of creepiness, right? There's always the joke, like, if you can make a woman laugh, it doesn't matter what you look like, you're in. I think that's true. I mean, personally, I've had experiences where none of them looked alike. There was nothing common in their appearances that attracted me but it was their personality or characteristics 100 percent. so i think guys should really embrace that and really have fun with it of course and i think there's a transition into that take tinder i mean geez i haven't been on tinder mm -hmm. <laughs> over three years i better get that answer right before my fiance checks my phone <laughs> no i'm kidding i remember the kind of profiles that you would see for guys and you see the kind of profiles you see for women, like guys, eight times out of 10, their profiles, like one or two good looking photos. The rest are like hanging out with their boys or scuba diving or jet skiing or, or something. 
for the ladies, it was always like just Tatiana's. It was trying to like put out a perception of, hey, this is how good looking I am. And, you know, to the whole of the personality, if they're going to have a personality, it would be in the caption, right? Which I can tell you now, most guys don't read, which is kind of sad because there's some absolute pillars in there. I do think that we are seeing more and more guys realize that, hey man, you don't need the 12 pack abs. And any girl that kind of wants you for the 12 pack abs, uh, I'm not saying it's a rule of thumb, but at least for me, not the kind of person that I want to be with. I want to be with somebody that is going to challenge me both mentally, spiritually, emotionally. You know, that for me is incredibly important. And I think for a lot of my friends, it's the same for them. We talk a lot about this sort of stuff, especially like the guys I game with, for instance. Hey guys, you know, how do you deal with the, the gaming and your girlfriend or gaming and your wife? You sit down with her and say, listen, babe, you know, this is what I enjoy. This is what I like doing. What is a comfortable balance between me doing this and not doing this? And I want you to be comfortable with it. And every single guy I know, and I play with range from the age of 24 to 37, they all have the same kind of conversation with us, with their, with their wives. And we all talk about the same stuff openly. Mm-hmm. So what's important here is being open, communicate about it, set an expectation, agree to what's comfortable for each other, but at the same time, give that space for you to do what you enjoy doing. 100%. And it's been a crazy transition in the last 20 years, but I think it's moving in the right place. Right. So people are becoming more aware of how to deal with conflicts, how to appreciate differences. I think also another thing that you mentioned, you know, you said, I want to be mentally challenged emotionally, spiritually, and there's nothing wrong looking good. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. But if that's the only thing or if that's the first marker a girl's looking to be attracted to you without knowing who you are inside, then then where is this relationship going? I guess that's the question you can ask yourself. For sure. So let's move on to the next question. How do men perceive women in 2020? Yeah, um, it's such a, it's, a, I don't want to say it's a loaded question. It's, it's one of the questions I was kind of fearing for this thing, but I think it needs to be answered. Or at least it needs to be questioned. And I got to preface it with saying that I think it's more an open discussion that needs to continuously happen. I agree. It's something that we as guys need to start to understand that we were and are part of the problem on the perception of women from 1990 to 2030 and we need to be understanding that that needs to become supportive i think you are finding a large minority and i say that semi-pessimistically in the sense of like 40 percent now that doesn't sound like a lot and it should be way higher but i do really believe that that number was probably 15 percent 15 years ago maybe 20 years ago that perception has definitely changed. That guys, men, real men, at least in my head, see women as a partner and are not threatened by powerful women. And for a lot of guys, that's difficult. I know for me growing up, it was something that had to evolve and change. And, you know, my sister's an incredibly powerful woman in the sense of she dominates a room. She's very steadfast in her opinions. She's incredibly headstrong. And I don't mean that in a negative way. And all the guys, it's like guys speak for headstrong. It's like, oh, she's a bitch. 
It's like, no, she knows what she wants and she's going to push it. And I would say the same thing about a guy that sometimes pushes a little bit too far. It's like, bro, like you're running against the wall 50 times and you're expecting a different result. It's not that. So I was always exposed to those kinds of women in my life. I know that when I have these kinds of conversations with most of my guy friends, it's about a 50-50 split. 50% of them are like, yeah, no, 100% agree. We got to, you know, this and that. Da, da, da. The other 50% is like, yeah, but they're getting everything they want. So what's the issue? It's like, yeah, but you're missing the point. You know, it's the all lives matter. It's like, no, but you're missing the point. It's, it's about highlighting the fact that this is an issue. It's not about you. I think more and more women are becoming more and more vocal, which is 100% fantastic. I think it's incredibly early at the moment, which is incredibly frustrating for people like my soon-to-be wife. You know, she's always very angry for, why don't they get it? I'm like, you're right, they should get it. But you also need to understand, like, just look at the news articles 10 years ago versus now, there's a definite, definite paradigm shift. There's a definite thought shift that is happening within men saying, hey, this is not just about me. The Me Too movement was incredibly polarizing and I equated to Trumpism. Me Too kind of showed me, okay, this is the really the kind of guy you are. If you can't get this or you won't let someone sit down and try to explain it to you, you're not really the kind of person I want to hang out with. And a big portion of my friends are the opposite kind. They're like, okay, I don't really understand it, but I'm willing to learn. With a small portion of my friends, saying, hey, like me too. Oh, another one, you know, here's an example. She was lying about him raping her. It's like, yeah, but that's the one out of the 20,000. That is true. That is true. So, you know, you say, oh, it's not all cops, it's one bad apple. Yeah, you're right. It's not all women. It's one bad apple that's making this example. So, you know, your example has to kind of work both ways. I think men in particular are starting to become far more comfortable with become far more understanding of and admire you know it's a long way to go and it's a conversation that needs to continue to happen but i do think that more and more guys are starting to say hey you know this is this is okay and this is my issue with the simp mentality that we spoke about earlier is that if we have a young generation of guys talking about simping now that feeds into the young adulthood where they really kind of develop their, their understanding and relationship with women in a more physical and emotional way. You know, the emotional kind of development needs to happen when they're five, six years old with their mother, sister, aunts, grandmothers, all that sort of stuff. I'm a little bit worried about that, but I think it will get squashed pretty quick. We've got probably the most powerful woman are running countries, Angela Merkel. She's, I mean, incredibly powerful woman huge inspiration you look at the president of new zealand which i cannot remember her name for the life of me at the moment you're starting to find more and more prime ministers more and more presidents that are women why because men are voting them in women traditionally don't vote it's mainly older men that vote and older men in particular are voting more which means a woman's being voted in so they must be seeing them as equals a little bit more it's not perfect it's not where it should be, and I don't think it will be for another 40, 50, 60 years. But all I can do as a man is to promise 
that all the women around me that I interact, I treat them a certain way. And that when I eventually have kids, I show them the same thing and say, this is how you must treat a woman. This is how you must treat a lady. This is how you must act as a man. And that will change over the next two or three generations. So yeah, I think guys are starting to see women more as equals. It's frustrating for a lot of guys because they don't understand the issue, nor do they want to, but it's getting there. Yeah, so one thing that I noticed is, like you said, you know, women are progressing in so many different ways and there's been a lot more opportunities for women than ever in our history. But because the progression has become a lot faster, I feel like men are struggling coping up with the change. 100%. Men are. I mean, and that's true for every movement. Black Lives Matter, women's rights, you know, everything. Like slavery ended 200 years ago in the United States. And yet it's still technically going on in the prison systems in the United States. It's still technically going on with the Voting Rights Act and everything like that. They are trying constantly to hold that stuff back. 200 years. Now, women's rights have evolved much quicker than that because, you know, fortunately for them, there's a lot of white women, which is terrible. But um, <laughs> the fact that it's happening is a good thing. And I think what a lot of white dudes forget and men in general is like, you do know when women get the same rights as you, it doesn't mean you lose rights. You know that, right? And I think trying to get that in the head is very difficult. You say that this prog this progression has been happening over a very short time. I would, I would argue that slightly and say, we're just more exposed to it. We're just more exposed to what is happening and, and the progression of it because it affects our daily lives in a huge way on social media, on the news and the Twitter cycles and everything like that. There are countries like Iceland. There was a boycott that the Icelandic women did and a little bit easy for them because there's like 5,000 of them. There's a lot more than that. But they said, cool, we're being paid 80 cents on the dollar, meaning for every $1 a man is paid, a woman is paid 80 cents for the same job, same everything. So all the women in the country left work an hour and a half early every day. This was in 2010. There are now laws that dictate the women have to be paid the same as a man for the same job, regardless of race, creed, color, whatever. If you have the same requirements, everything like that, that was over 10 years ago. We are starting to see that happen now with us with countries that we interact with, with social media, et cetera. And so it does seem very quick. And if you're saying it, what do you think some guy in, in Texas is going like, hey, man, what's happening here? This has just come up over around the corner. Like, you know, it's, it's scary for a lot of people because they feel that control, that power is m moving away from them. Yeah. So I feel like there's been a very interesting relationship between how a man perceives a woman. Mm -hmm. Because a couple of times I've heard um, my guy friends or the guys that I've met say, you know, I want a girl who is independent. They say that. But then <laughs> Until they meet one. <laughs> <laughs> when they meet one and they like them, they kind of go like, oh, you know, she's so stubborn. She always has something else to say. She never shuts up. Yeah. So I feel like there's a dissonance to like, Okay, you know, what do you want? Yeah, no, you're 100% right. Uh, it, it's, it is a huge issue and it is something that guys forget. Guys are like, yeah, no, I want this chick with this and that. And, and then they get it and they're like, oh, actually, this is really shit. 
yeah, it's like she's hard to handle. Like I can't keep her. Do you know what I mean? Well, like, the reverse, Sarah. It's like, oh, I want a girl that's you know double D boobs and this bum and this and that that that. And then you you hook up with like two or three of them, and you're like, oh, this is boring. Like, yeah, I really don't. Like, this is terrible. And I think this is a huge part of like the young development from the ages of sixteen to twenty four or whatever, where we should be embracing that kind of like hook up with people, be safe. You know, use your head. Fortunately, I grew up in a country that taught safe sex and talked about all these issues with you know you're gonna fill around these are the dangers so you kind of you know yeah you're prepared about it but you start to kind of find the middle ground of like what i actually like as a man you know same can be said for men with everything i can tell you this right now I go from from women to cars oh man i really want a bmw cool bud have you ever owned a bmw no 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 but it looks amazing okay cool they own the bmw yeah down the line like damn, this thing's a piece of trash. Like the ride is hard. This is that, da, 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 da. Until we experience it, we don't know because there's an aspiration of this is the kind of person I must be with. This is the kind of car I must drive. Until you actually drive it and you're like, this is terrible. Yeah, until we experience these things, we don't actually truly know what it is we want as men because we fickle like that. So what do you think of men just starting to get into the dating scene at 30s, what would be the challenges they might have? Oh, um, one, you're definitely going to find more women that aren't prepared to just have fun. And I don't mean that in a bad way, a negative way, whatever it might be. You know, if you're just getting into the dating scene, like you kind of want to have one or two relationships, kind of find your feet. You know, I always say like, I never regret my past relationships because they've always taught me something. And I think every relationship, you take something away from that in a good way, a positive way or negative way. You're a little late to the game. You are gonna find, I think, people that are a little more, need a little more attention. What do you mean? Well, before Athena and I dated, she never really dated a lot of people. At least that was my understanding. My understanding was I was the first guy that the captain really met. Uh, for those who don't know, Athena's father, Sarah's soon to be father-in-law, and mine. Everyone calls him the captain because he was an old shipping captain. I was the first guy that she introduced to him. It was a weird introduction with her crying her eyes out, thinking her father was dead on the floor. Another story for another day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it was both a, a blessing and a curse for me because there were a lot of issues that we had to work out in our relationship. There's a lot of stuff that we had to like kind of find our feet with. And I think if I had not been in a few relationships before that, I might have been like, you know, buggy, mate. You're full of shit. You don't know what you want. Da 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 da. Cheers. Mm. But the difference was I kind of saw those issues before they became issues and knew how to kind of deal with them. Uh huh. So you're saying that had you not have had those experiences in the past, the woman you've met today and are engaged might not even have happened because you wouldn't have known how to have uh, resolved uh, any conflict you've had with her. Yeah. No, 100%. It's not even the conflict. It's the managing of the expectations. Differences. Yeah. You know, just simple things like communication. When I was younger, I was a terrible communicator. You know, and I think... A lot of guys do this. We think we have these massive conversations in our head. 
And then we just expect the person that's with us, who's been with us, just to know exactly what it is I was thinking. And why aren't you doing what I told you to do? Or why are you not thinking the way I told you to think? You know, even though I haven't explained to them, like, this is my expectation, right? So I knew that the kinds of forms of communication I had to give her to make her feel comfortable in certain scenarios was vital. And these were skills that I learned from my first girlfriend to my now fiance. And I'm still learning. It's the ability to adapt and mold to the relationship. Now, when Athena and I met, I was 33, going on 34. Athena was 30. You know, so effectively, she's the lady version of your scenario of a guy coming in at the age of 30 and getting into the dating scene, you know, and you ask her and her story is the same as most guys I know that moved to Dubai in particular. Tinder, Snapchat, DMs, this and that, rotating through, like meeting a person, getting to know them in like the space of an hour or two, and then trying to say, hey, is this the person I want to spend a little more time with because my time's pretty precious because I work six days a week and I only get really eight hours a day to kind of engage with this person. And am I physically prepared to put in the time and effort with this person? And they need to meet all these boxes in the space of eight hours. And that's incredibly difficult. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We're all so busy. Yeah, 100%. Life, and, yeah. and I think when you get older, that maths becomes harder. Mm. You know, as a guy coming in in his 30s, okay, cool. Who are the kind of people you're going to meet? You know, pre-Athena, the kind of people I normally went for were older women. Not older, like 12, 15 years, but like two, three years older than me. At the age of 30, meeting women that are 32, 33, 34, there's a high chance they might have a kid in the mix. Now that's a whole nother dynamic you have to play with. I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm sure it's difficult, but I'm not saying it's something that should discourage you. But, you know, you have that. Then you start to deal with the divorce pool. You know, guys are getting married at 21, 22. Doesn't work out at 28, 30, 32. They're like, cool, let's do this. Now you're dealing with someone that's already been in a, a hectic, committed relationship. So you need to be able to have the life skills, for lack of a better term, to deal with the, the issues of a relationship. That's why I say I'm very grateful for all the women I dated beforehand that I could learn from them and learn from my mistakes, the mistakes I made that made that relationship difficult. The things I do, you know, because it's not always just about them. I think there's a lot of self-awareness that needs to happen there, but you need to be aware that, you know, what you put in is what you get out. And relationships are exactly like that. They take time and effort, but if you get it right, it's incredibly fulfilling. Absolutely. Yeah. That was great. Thanks, Wayne. Um, you, know, right. you spoke about all the things that is possible to make a relationship better. And what can a man take part in that? And how can they sort of learn in their experience to keep improving their life as well as their partners? 100%. So, yeah. So I have a question. What are the things a man would not or should not tolerate in a woman? I'm pretty sure it's the same thing for both ways. Emotional abuse is just as dangerous as physical abuse, if not worse. So anyone that doesn't see your value or appreciate your value. And what I mean by that is like appreciation is 
is not a tricky thing, but there's a fine balance. People think, I'm going to show you I appreciate you by buying you this really expensive perfume. No, the appreciation to show someone is like, I know you've had a shit day. So by the time you get home, I've already done all the dishes, done all this and that, blah, blah, blah. There's that kind of sharing. I really don't think that anyone that is being emotionally abused by their better half or their other half should settle for that at all. So what would an emotional abuse look like? So I was in a relationship that by the end of it, I felt like I had to stay with this person because she's 100% right. No one will ever love me the way she loved me. Mm. And it was just like, you know, now looking back at it, like, my God, that was, that was terrible advice, terrible yeah. self-advice, you know, like, and, and unfortunately a lot of advice I was getting from some of our friends, like, oh, but she, you know, she's, she's so good looking and she's this and that. And, and it's like, yeah, but that, that's not the be all and end all. Like I have to live with this person. I have to feel good about myself at the end of the day. So that kind of emotional abuse where it's just like, you know, you, you're constantly being question about everything you do i'm not saying you mustn't question a guy but every single day is like oh no you be made to feel like you're not good enough is definitely a no-no and that kind of goes both ways so that physical and emotional abuse is a huge issue the other things that i would say you know personally speaking like if the person is not able to get along with friends and family i know it sounds weird but i grew up around family if that person can't engage with my family, I don't see a massive future with us because my choices are alienate myself from my family or do family-based things without my other half. And that for me feels incredibly weird. I don't ever want to be like that. Yeah, you want to always have that connection between the two and enjoy both rather than spending separate times. 100%. And I also do think that, you know, uh, barring the bad advice of some friends of oh but she's good looking you know family know you like my mother in particular she knows me incredibly well she's absolutely head over heels for athena if she didn't like athena she would tell me not in like a this chick's a bitch you know she'd be like listen you know i'm a little bit worried you know we have the kind of shorthand but you know every single time we talk it's How's Athena doing? How's she this and that? You know, there's, there's a genuine engagement from my family to my fiance and the reverse. I know when, when Maria talks to Athena, how's Wayne doing? Are you looking after him? Which freaks her out. Never, uh, is he treating you well? It's, are you looking after him? I mean, that's that like old school Greek mentality. But, you know, it is a big part of it. The third thing I would say, you know, for me is, am I growing with this person? Am I evolving with this person as a human? And if we have other little humans that we look after, are they going to be a good role model for, for them? You know, is she going to allow me or is he going to allow me to be that kind of person that can affect a child positively? You know, these are things I think about. These are maybe not things you think about when you're 25, but when you're 35, it's something that I look at every single day. Am I going to be able to hold my head up to my kid and say, you know what, we tried. Mom and dad tried. You know, if things don't work out, mom and dad tried and you know that we will continue to try and mold you into this quality human. Probably get it wrong, but you know. <laughs>
the the full thing I just say is yeah, the mutual respect. I keep on coming back to that respect. Like I don't ever once my other half to think that I'm disrespecting. And Athena and I have these kinds of conversations. She'll say, I feel like you don't respect me when you say this. Or I feel like you don't respect me when you do that. And I also have the same conversations with her. And I think a big portion of that relationship building is A, being able to have those kinds of conversations. Because if you don't, it's going to fall apart. It will fall apart. There's just no two ways about it. You know, friends like, oh, how do you have that conversation with someone? I'm like, well, I think it's really important because I want to know that I'm doing a great job for you, that you feel comfortable with me and that I'm not this person that has molded you. I'm somebody else that feels and thinks the same way as you and that health and well-being are so important to me that I'd rather have that feedback than live in this fugazi world of, hey, everything's great until they're not. I think that's incredibly important. If you cannot have that kind of conversation with a woman or talk about those kinds of things with it, I don't think she's the right kind of person for you. Mm -hmm. So I've actually seen the opposite where men are not really open in talking about intimate conversations. Oh, 100%. Yeah, so what is that? What, what makes them uncomfortable to kind of enter that space where we can be vulnerable together? Ego, 100%. Ego. Ego, masculinity, everything. Why is it like a thing that a guy cries in a movie? Uh, why is it such a thing that a guy, you know, talks to his wife about, you know, her day? Uh, why is it such a thing that guys are uncomfortable in having the kind of conversations that Athena and I are having? Because of ego, because of masculinity, because you're a man you must do these things and think this way and drink beer and it's like no bro like that thought process is changing we spoke about it earlier we starting to see those things happen my dad never spoke to my mom the way i do with athena like this was not something that was taught from a young age this is something i've had to teach myself and i still fall into issues that like i say or do stuff I'm like, holy shit, that's just like my dad. I don't want to be that person. Okay, cool. So it, it is becoming self-aware that, hey, this is okay. Hey, this is not okay. You've got to do these things. You said something to us about a year or so ago after we got engaged. You're like, are you guys going to go see us? Marriage counselor. And initially the answer was, I don't know, that sounds crazy. But I get why you asked the question because I don't think people like us or... I don't think a lot of people are like Athena and I, where we are comfortable having these kind of uncomfortable conversations. We have very intense conversations and arguments, but always respectful, always trying to see the other side. As we've had these conversations, our relationship has grown in a huge way. And I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but I don't think a lot of guys are self-aware enough to say, hey, I'm a bit of a Neanderthal with my emotions. I've got to learn to evolve these things. And this is something I have personally worked on for the last eight or 10 years, pre-meeting with Athena. It's something I've had to become comfortable with. And I've had, I keep on coming back to it, I've had a mother that's like, it's okay. It's okay to feel that way. It's okay to think like this. You need to evolve. I've had teachers They've done the same. Yeah, that's absolutely great, Wayne, because I feel like majority of the guys today haven't had that kind of 
emotional support from people who were close to them. Rather, they would have had advice like, you shouldn't cry. You're a man. Be a man. Yeah. I don't know what that means, but like, be a man. <laughs> yeah. You have to be strong. You have to be the one protecting all the time. So yeah. I feel like they've taken over that so much that they've learned to suppress their emotions and they don't even know where to begin. 100%. You know, so how can they tap into that emotional state? Thank you for tuning in. We're going to pause the episode here and continue in the next episode. But what are your thoughts so far? Let me know your thoughts in the comment section. Until then, bye-bye.